Welcome to Cabin Minute Cast. The scenario has been chosen. The ritual has begun. We are ready to appease the old gods one minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. Hey, and I'm Molly Balin of LittleRedMark.com. And today we've poached only the best <laughs> from another <laughs> podcast. We have a very special guest that I heard on uh, the Thing Minute, and I emailed Harper and said, "Get me Jenny Law." So we got the <laughs> librarian and more, Jenny Law. Welcome, Jenny. Hello. Hello. It's <laughs> a lot to Thanks live up for... to now. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. It's just a couple of gals who've never met before talking about a really trippy movie. <laughs> Molly, why don't you set us up with what's kind of going on in this minute here? So in today's episode, we are covering minute 25 of The Cabin in the Woods. And in this minute, it is all about Jules making out with a moose. <laughs> we got here people we're finally here it's that minute so minutes. yeah minutes minutes so we're at minute 25 and the first thing i just wanted to mention was in in the script while we're still over here the minute starts with um you know hadley and sitterson and in the dialogue, Sitterson starts out the minute saying, yeah, we rig the game as much as we need to. In the end, if they don't transgress, and Hadley says they can't be punished. And I just, that kind of popped out to me because I thought, oh, do I know what transgress means? Like, let me make sure I know what the word transgress is. So I just, you know, popped it into Google Dictionary and, and it said transgress verb infringe or go beyond the bounds of a moral principle or other established standard of behavior she had transgressed an unwritten social law so i was curious what you guys thought like when do they transgress like what's what's the thing that they do that's a social law that they ignore or go beyond the limits to so I think all the transgressions are really superficial and they're the the standard that they're using that these two guys are using to get this job done is they're kind of the damning standards of American society. So you know, she's blonde, she acts kind of, you know, Jules starts acting kind of loose even though her boyfriend's there. But we learn that she's actually like an honor student and really responsible. It's all just this superficial setup. So Right. Yeah. What did you think, Molly? You said you you had some ideas on this too? Yeah, I think that this is more about instincts and in people transgressing their own instincts to stay away, which is why you have a harbinger. You know, so we have, you know, and this is something we've been kind of talking about in previous minutes of fake out. So a horror fake out and, and really the <laughs> the making out with the moose, the wolf, i.e. the wolf, um, is another kind of horror fake out where, you know, you have these guys who pile in, they finally get to the gas station and that's the harbinger. That's this is the time for you to say this is kind of messed up. This is the time you should be turning away. You get to the cabin. The cabin is not what you thought it was. 
you just still don't turn away. You get into the room and there's like a crazy horror painting. You don't turn away. There's a two-way mirror. You don't turn away. So there's layer after layer after layer of like this, the environment is saturated with an energy of negativity and you should probably just get the fuck out, but you don't. You just keep on rolling. And so that's how I, although I think what Jenny's saying is really, I think to the heart of what actually gets them killed which is all of the uh, the rigging and the tropes of, as you were saying, we're tainting the blonde hair dye to dumb you down. We're upping the libido meds, so you're oversexed. The the jock becomes the jock, even though he's actually, you know, an honor student as well, and he's on scholarship. So these guys have all been manipulated into the roles over the last, you know, like this is. We're getting towards the end of the first act, but the you know previous 25 minutes, they've all been manipulated into these roles of which they really aren't. So I think there's there's two elements of it at play. Oh, I definitely agree. And I think that Molly's reading on this is really interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. And I think pairing the two sides together really gets gets into some interesting territory where you're talking about almost like these two guys setting up this fantasy that they are enjoying watching and that they're betting on and that they've created for their co-workers to see that's also their job but it's also about this group of kids who are start start not trusting their instincts and kind of stepping outside the societal norms that you mentioned in your definition Heidi yeah well, I definitely think you guys answered that no really really good way because i wasn't really i was like you know they don't do anything illegal you know what i mean like like you're right they are there's they're being manipulated to do these things and that's what that's what truman's kind of kind of trying i'm like truman okay i'm like trying to wrap (laughs) my head around this here about uh, uh you know what the rules are and what's going on and what's the difference between being manipulated and then ultimately them they are making that decision the kids are making that final Mm -hmm. choice Mm -hmm. so molly i was curious you you and i were talking a little bit just before um we uh rope jenny in (laughs) to talk (laughs) with us and i thought you had some interesting thoughts and views on what's going on in the space in the kind of uh, ground zero or, you know, the headquarters about what's happening with Hadley and Sitterson and Truman before we kind of transition over to to the Scooby gang in the cabin. Yeah, Truman, I think, serves a really interesting function as a character. And I was talking about this in a previous minute that he, and I think it's actually the one right before us, that he serves this function for the audience where the audience is looking at the betting as like, holy shit, this is so, this is insane. These people are going to die. You're having a good time with it. You know, what is up with that? And that's really, I think where Truman is coming from is not, is really taking it back ethically of like, I'm not going to participate in this being a fun thing because this is a sacrifice and so he's trying to kind of wrap his head around where they're coming from um, which is where we're kind of coming into for this minute and so you know Hadley steps in from a like a lit area in the control room into a shadowed space to approach him 
saying, so what's it going to be, Truman? Are you in? Windows closing, referencing the bet. And Truman really stops and really kind of stares him down. It's like, mm, yeah, I'm fine. Almost like angry to me. And I'm curious what you guys like thought about the, the acting reaction to that. But this is a, it's an ethical question. Are you in or are you out? Are you going to be, are you on our side of this? Do you see things from our perspective? Are you going to acquiesce to how we're representing the situation or not? And he's just like, no. So he's this kind of little bit of an ethical voice inside there. And I feel like in the couple of minutes beforehand, because he's, he and Lynn are talking and Lynn's like, look, I, I get where you're coming from. But in the end here, Lynn hands over her money just as she normally does. And so he has this, Hadley has this sense to me that he's kind of like the devil with a proposition of, are you going to come to this dark side or aren't you? So I've always read Truman's character as he took the job not knowing what it was. Mm. And he still maybe doesn't know the particulars. Mm -hmm. But he has decided that he doesn't care about that part. And this is really just messed up. But he is staying in the job maybe because he has to. He can find another job. I don't know. But I always got that sense. Maybe he hasn't had time to find another job. I just always got that sense that he wasn't, it wasn't like he came in gung-ho, part of the team, and then kind of defected from the mission. I feel like he always just, he took this as a job and then kind of started finding out all this weird stuff and just doesn't really want any part of it and has been stuck there. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's really fair as an assessment for sure you know and i think they talked about him we were talking even this week about um this week meaning when the episodes came out about prepped versus prepared where he is getting asked by hadley like you know do you get what's going to go on here and he's like well you know i've been briefed basically mm -hmm. and and you're right he's finding out all of these other it's like going on a job interview and then you actually get the job and you find out what the job culture is mm -hmm. and it's shit right <laughs> Right. He may have had a totally different idea of what, you know, it's like he, he appears to be kind of a military guy. So maybe he is, well, when he comes in, they say, you know, cut the sirs or what, however he said, you know, like it's a little more casual here conversationally than maybe you're thinking it's going to be. It's going to be, it's going to be like working at a weird <laughs> in a weird office not in the military although there are a lot of things that need to be checked and balanced it's still yeah it's the tone and like you said to the culture of this company is like oh wait a minute these guys are not who i thought i was going to be working mm -hmm. with well they're assholes and they've got, <laughs> they've got a ton of money at their disposal and they don't you know, they don't seem to care about these humans that they're spying on. You know, if you look at it from an outsider's perspective, who's just come in and they're kind of piecing this together, these two guys are creeps. They've orchestrated this whole scenario. They're spying on these young, young kids, you know, I mean, are these young people and it's just getting progressively more and more kind of icky, like definitely icky morally. So I like that they have him there as the voice of reason in the lab. And I feel like Marty is the voice of reason in the cabin once mm -hmm. once he right. gets out of the reefer womb, as he calls it, a womb of reefer. <laughs> um, so I think it's interesting to see those those play out side by side, which they do for the at the beginning of this minute. They splice them together for a couple a couple of kind of small scenes going back and forth. 
They do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So speaking of that, um, yeah, let's talk about this transition here from the one space <clears throat> to the next. So I love Amy Acker no matter what, even even <laughs> when she's being morally ambiguous or being horrible, like as a character, I just love her. So it's always good to see her just even for a few seconds. Yeah. What is uh what are some of the things you enjoy about her? What have you seen her in that you like or Um well, I I was a big Buffy fan and so ended up watching Angel as well. And she was one of the few things that I really loved about Angel. I don't as mm-hmm. a show as a, like a show as a whole, not not a huge fan of Angel the show, but I loved that character Fred. So, you know, she's in a lab coat again. And uh <laughs> <laughs> but this time she's on the wrong side of things. So, yeah, I think in uh, at least the beginnings of Dollhouse, which I, which is what I was first introduced oh, yeah. to her, and she's in a lab coat for part mm-hmm, of that too. Mm-hmm. I have serious problems with Dollhouse, so I had kind of forgotten that she was in it. <laughs> <laughs> what are your serious problems with Dollhouse? I'm so curious. I really don't. I think it's it's so inhumane. To the mm. point where I feel like in the other Joss Whedon shows, Buffy, Angel, you know, that, that I've watched over the years, Firefly, there may be characters who are inhumane or there, there could be tropes that kind of get followed down to the smallest point of examination. But there was never an inversion that I saw of it. So it wasn't like... It wasn't like, oh, these humans are being used as fuck dolls and assassins and they don't really know it, but they kind of know it and their minds are being wiped. And then, oh, but they really are this, you know, or there's really some way of flipping that so that there's a usefulness to that story. It just feels really in the end, like super creepy. And I I really couldn't get past it like at all Yeah, um, on that level. Yeah, that's totally understandable. I think I didn't love it at first because I felt like it was sort of douche coup body porn. <laughs> yeah. You know, like some of the first and several of the, the episodes, I'll be like, I get it. Somebody who's shooting this thinks she's got a great bod or whatever, you know? And it, it was just was kind of, I mean, it's, yeah, that, that was just sort of boring to me. And, um, but I did find it a compelling story a compelling relationships that kind of developed over over time as it went on i enjoyed it more and that's where the line i think for me is is with horror stuff i don't find horror movies for the most part scary scary you know like i'm gonna find the real story of a woman being abducted scary to the point that other people might find a scary movie scary Mm. so things that are about deconstructing the human body just for someone else's pleasure or interest or someone's warped idea of what they can do to someone else in a real, like in a real kind of context is what my line is. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally valid for sure. Big time. Now that we've talked about that. <laughs> yes. no, well, I could have done without Bradley Whitford's um, pelvic thrusts. <laughs> Those... i do want to talk about that <laughs> oh no well let's get into it let's get into it so molly you were kind of talking about we've been sort of tracking the transitions between the two the our two spaces and here we've got let's get this party started 
and then it's mirrored by let's get this party started and yeah bradley whitford before the music officially starts i believe i've got the sound off here but i am looking at it he does start his little his little um pelvic i mean it's impressive i mean you know it is impressive that he can move that fast with that part of his body (laughs) i guess (laughs) i mean i guess but at the same time like i just i don't i don't want to see it So to me, I thought that this looked like an outtake that somebody thought was just really fucking funny and they decided to inject into it. It didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's, I mean, it's funny. It's a couple of middle-aged guys doing a little groin dance, you know, just for like the, whatever the 10 seconds that it is. But it's always been a shot that I've really been confused by why it was included. Does Richard Jenkins shake his shit too? He does, yes. Oh God, I think that Bradley Whitford sucked all my vision to just his <laughs> mid-body and I completely forgot to look at Richard Jenkins' um, midsection. Yeah, it starts with uh, Jenkins Sitterson saying, let's get this party started. And as he's saying that, Bradley's looks like, yeah, he's they're both gathering up the, the notes and the, the money, right, from from all the votes and he's like also Bradley's like munching on something maybe. So as Richard Jenkins says it, he's starting to dance already pre the music and the kids. Yes. But then when we, we transition over to the kids and the boom box being hit and Jules dancing and we're getting her, you know, her little wiggles on. Then when it goes back to the guys, they're both, yeah, they're both doing their herky jerky. Okay. White guy okay, dance. so I have got it on without the sound on, because I I really every single oh yeah okay oh see that's why the money sack is in front of Richard Jenkins most of his pelvis area, so right. it obstructs it and thus makes it <laughs> less upsetting. <laughs> I'm a very body positive person. But the idea or slash the visual of them doing that is just a little much for me. <laughs> well, I uh, whatever it is you girls are experiencing, which is valid, valid, valid. I'm not getting. I just always just thought it was kind of funny, you know, like oh, there's a couple of dudes dancing. It's I remember going to a burlesque dance, you know, kind of bur- beginning burlesque class, or you know, maybe taken. Um, I've taken uh, some hula classes and that's one of those things that that they teach in classes one way or another is like isolating that hip area and that groin area and that <laughs> pelvic area and learning to do some you're movements. just so giving I've... me more <laughs> more accessories to put on them in my mind <laughs> i saw a lot of tassels in that moment so you said hula so i was thinking coconut bra Oh, because (laughs) of course that's, you know, uh, you know, anyway. Yeah. I, oh God, now I can't stop thinking about it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, is there anything else that anybody wants to talk about the having to do with those guys or should we just shoot it on over here to our um, truth or dare conversation? That's kind of getting started. Let's head to the cabin. Woo. Cool. (laughs) 
All right. We're in the cabin. <laughs> Dancing's happening. The thing I noticed is Kurt, Kurt's costuming has flipped over from Mr. Academic Guy to full jock. He's got his, his beer stein and his... Uh, he does a little bit of dancing, but we barely see it. It's kind of behind jewels. But he's got his Letterman jacket on and his whole stance, his whole body language. To me, that was what kind of stood out to me in this minute was him going full Jocko. As far as, as, far as sorry, as far as, far as costuming <laughs> goes, the thing that stood out to me is that all three guys have on at least two shirts and a jacket if not three shirts. Dana has seems to have on two cardigans. I don't know why, but she seems to have them on for the rest of the, sh the movie. It could just be a shirt. The ender shirt could just be one that's like cut like a cardigan, but it really is like double cardigans. Right. And then Jules has like nothing on nothing. So like it yeah. must be absolutely freezing. And she is so jazzed out on these like hormones that she just doesn't even and drinking. She just does not even know does not even register. Yeah. I think you're totally, mm -hmm. totally right. Like we're at that point where the hormones are kicking in for her, whatever, you know, synthetic enhancements they've given her. So she's transitioning from the, um, we talked a little bit before is that they, the costumer specifically wanted to have this transition where the, um, at first Jules looks a bit more, you know, sundress and sort of innocent, but that as, as it transgresses here at minute 25, she's starting to kind of play the part a little bit more of now she might be a bit more of the whore and little miss double cardigan <laughs> is looking a bit more like like the virgin so yeah astute observation and the guys yeah they're all well and supposedly because fran krantz is so cut that he's like real beefcake what? under there so they had to like hide that underneath no. layers yeah no yes for real no. yes. are you serious yes. 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 <laughs> yes ripped like the good lord jesus no, no. Okay, yes, so I think we're finding that I am disgusted by the male body. And, um, but no, I just, that's so weird. I Because all I can picture is like that moment where you see someone with like just a normal sized head. And then all of a sudden they have a ripped body and you're like, no, someone, <laughs> someone's like holding a magazine up to look like it or someone ripped his normal head off of his body and stuck it on this like corpse that was headless or something. Cause it's just, it's just, Oh, that's so incongruous. So incongruous. Oh. Once you see it, you can't unsee oh, it. I'll tell you that. That's true. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's why he had on like, not only the puka shell necklace to, to create a line, but also like two t-shirts a flannel and then a jacket is to hide and a button up shirt yeah i think he has five i think i counted five layers okay and a puka shell necklace so six if you count the necklaces also a layer. if i call him franz kranz during this i'm i'm not gonna apologize <laughs> because that's what his name really should be <laughs> Is 
that like uh, Reese's Pieces oh. instead of Reese's Pieces? Well, I grew up in the South. I do say Reese's Reese's Pieces sometimes when I'm not paying attention. <laughs> it's one of my what I used to call Bushisms. Um, oh, my, wow. my unfortunate okay. Bushism that would just come out flying out. But uh, Franz Kranz, I think, is just like a normal thing that might happen. <laughs> I'm down with it. Totally. Down it sounds it. like a cranberry drink. <laughs> it does very refreshing i'm thinking it's like a, a like a wine cocktail mm. <laughs> i think the franz crans it's a wine cocktail like a cranberry flavored wine cocktail <laughs> sounds it's like fermented with a little bit of metamucil in it oh, oh i no. think the metamucil is what they may put the metamucil in themselves if they're feeling real wild but this is like this is just like you can buy it as like a wine cooler it's a franz kranz <laughs> it could be the currency at like a nursing home or it could be like their drink of choice when they're feeling frisky or it could just be like this is your old now that you drink a franz kranz i don't know I'm feeling real franzy cranzy right oh, now. That's even grosser. <laughs> Ooh. Just, yeah, that's just liver spotted fun. Oh, oh my god. So um <laughs> so I'm very new to podcasting and I, I don't think I'm supposed to look up things while we're doing this, but um I found a gif of the very riff ripped topless Franz Kranz. Um <laughs> And I can't, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta cut this off because it's, it's ruining things. Oh, okay. Well, you'll, can you share it with us so we can share it with the world? Okay. Will you yeah, email, email me that, that, post it up. that'd be awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, now that we've gone through all of that, um, <laughs> so the kids are dancing, they're partying the steins are being passed about so the keg has been tapped and um yeah so let's let's start to wrap this baby up with we've got a little tease of a truth or dare um any anything anybody wants to talk about specifically about um about this little section here before we wrap up minute 25 i think that it's more evident in some of the other sections but I could tell that Jules was not from America. Mm. And I don't mean that as like a creepy, like jingoistic statement. I just mean it as just like Nicole Kidman and other, I've now found out, I think she's, she's um, Australian. Is she Australian? New um, Zealand. She's from New Zealand. So, she's from um, New Zealand. So a yeah. lot of like a lot of Oceana actresses who do um, an American accent she talks so in the front of her mouth and so exacting mm -hmm. that I was, I, mm -hmm. I can spot it now. Um, and so I was like, Oh my God. And then I started thinking about how, why Hemsworth is this, a, this is Chris, right? Hemsworth. I, right. I just have yeah. to not call him Thor. So I, I couldn't, you can call, I him, Thor, okay. call him Thor. All the time. <laughs> but, but this is like, he looks normal. Cause he didn't have that horrible Thor wig on his head, which just is right. Come on, you spend millions of dollars on those movies. Buy a better wig. Buy a better wig and stick it on his head. Anyway, so he just mumbles. He doesn't talk in the front of his mouth. He just mumbles to kind of cover his accent. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good, good. Yeah, I definitely noticed she has a certain, that makes sense what you said. It's very it like uh, Nicole Kidman in To Die For. 
to me. Mm. Yeah. I think I really notice it. It'll come up in the next minute where you get the clarification of what the dare actually is. And um, she says, no problem. And when she says no problem, every time I, I can, I can hear the accent being covered. Yeah. So speaking of Thor, then we get our little, little uh, more of a, you know, that jockey party sort of thing going on where we get the truth or dare party happening Marty says, okay, my turn, Jules, truth or dare? And she says, let's go dare. And then he says, all right, I dare you to make out with. And Kurt says, please say Dana, please say Dana, please say Dana. That's <laughs> like, to me, that's definitely like a, a jock trope kind of a fantasy that um, that's going on. Well, and I think there. that's a great illustration of how he's changed just from the beginning of the movie because, you know, these characters are drawn pretty broadly but you do get little clues and that's one of the things that makes it so enjoyable to me to watch over and over you get little clues that they have changed enormously so you have Kurt at the beginning talking to Dana and she's totally pantsless and right. he is not at all a creep about it not at all a predator about it not at all even really I don't know uncomfortable with it and just notice and just like says it as a punchline at the end of a scene. And now you have him chanting that he wants his girlfriend and the other girl in the room to make out like they're at a frat party. So totally. I feel like that's such a good little marker of how much things have changed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. She actually in the previous minutes where they go to head out to the lake, it's Dana and Holden who jump right in. But Jules hangs back and... Dana's like, oh, you know, come on, Jules, you know, life is risk, like come in. And she's risk adverse. She doesn't want to go in. But so I found it really interesting that here it is. This is that opportunity to be brave and risk embarrassment in front of everyone. And she's like, yeah, let's go ahead and go dare. So we see that leap already happen here, too. Yeah. And then uh, Marty thinks that the <laughs> wolf is a moose. <laughs> and that's how we end the minute. That moose over there. <laughs> and Dana says, uh, Marty, have you ever seen a moose before? And then and then we're out. <laughs> and I can't help but think of, and this is probably not the goal, but National Lapoon's vacation. So Marty Moose as the mascot. Oh. I um I think about that every time I hear that bit of dialogue, even though I know that's not the goal, but yeah. You never know. It might have just, yeah, subconsciously kind of seeped in there, too. Who knows? So is there anything else anybody wanted to talk about with this this minute? So I was wondering if you were to place a bet, like each of these departments and people at the office have, who would you place your bet on? Well, I think for me, I would, I would kind of go Hadley's way and... Um, I've always kind of had a, a bit of a thing for the creature from the Black Lagoon. So I think I'd I'd go Merman. <laughs> you know, he does have a real ripped body. Like it's it's just it's it can't rival Franz Kranz, but it's it's pretty pretty hot under all that goop. <laughs> yeah, I agree. There's something I haven't, you know, I haven't really given it a whole lot of thought but there is something just yeah very strong and and able body to yeah, but what if you <laughs> i actually have some artwork kind of uh, my husband <laughs> this is sounding dirty you guys i have 
my husband and I collect quite a bit of uh, oh, shit. stuff <laughs> having to do with you know, with uh, Bigfoot yeah. and uh, also with Wookiees. But I also have uh, just a small collection that's ever growing that's that's um, related to uh, the creature from the Black well, Lagoon. I think so. if you shave a Wookiee slash you pressure wash the creature from the Black Lagoon, you're just going to have a ripped a ripped bod underneath all the fur or the goo. So, I mean, you're onto something. You're onto something. <laughs> what about you, Molly? I was going to vote sexy witches. I think because of the uh, the woods aspect of things. You know, I just kind of, I, I don't know, I was kind of like thinking like a Blair Witch vibe and, you know, luring people out in the woods and calling down the thunder and making the sex. And that's kind of where I was at with that. So, like... A witchy lady in a negligee making hair dolls and s- with sticks. Yeah, kind of like the Blair Witch. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're picking it up. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, like so she's, I, yeah. Yeah. You know, she's like sexy, but she's out there, and she's you know making you know because I kind of appreciate that Blair Witch sense of like I'm crafty. Mm-hmm. You know, I you mean, make do. You make, you make do. do. Yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, I'm, you know, I, I dig that. I made a fall wreath recently. You know, I hit that age where I'm like, I'm going to, you know, get crafty with my ladies and we're going to get some twigs and we're going to make some Blair Witch <laughs> shit and hang it up. And I was like, I get that. I feel you, you know, and you do that. And then you get a little homicidal and you, you know, work with supernatural energies and you kind of kill some people. So I'm like, I get it. You know, maybe that would yeah. be a bad, you know, not yeah. a bad way to go. <laughs> Yes, and you. I'm sure that your crafting circle is was very sexy while you made your twig wreaths. <laughs> Man, um, so so I would pick the Hell Lord, which I'm pretty sure is the name of the guy who is a pretty much a ripoff of the Hellraiser, right? Of uh, the the Cine, what did they call Cinnabites? No. they're cinnabites right yeah cinnabites so and he had of course the little riddle box and kurt had it and was about to press it and i think he could fuck some shit up Mm -hmm. like there's just no oh my god denying like they would have just all been dead yeah so I'm, I'm sorry, like we were talking about Cinnabites. I was thinking like cinnamon bun, like small, like, but on yeah. the, the pins, but then he kills you and like you could eat it like as a, like a breakfast thing. And then like he lures you with a tasty treat and then just yeah. like, <laughs> and then he just, yeah, he, he does yen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I really like cinnamon rolls. And when you mentioned that, I was like, oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Maybe it would be like, you know, but God's the best pastry ever. Pfft, you're done. <laughs> Hmm. well i'm glad you chose him jenny and that was a great question i definitely when we do get to him later in in the film i I do think his introduction is one of the oh yeah they do so right by that character yeah and they call him um also fornicus Hmm. so that's another nod to something mm. like fornication mm. fornicus the lord of, of pain <laughs> <laughs> yeah fornicus the lord of pain. fornicus the lord of pornicus <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh, so on that note mm-hmm. i think we'll wrap things up um you can find us as always 
at uh, cabinminutecast.com. And uh, there you can figure out how to subscribe. And we've got all, all the classic links for subscribing, including Stitcher and uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts and all that stuff. And then, yeah, we share links in our show notes to the different things that we, we um, you know, talk about. And hopefully then we can share that gif of um, Franz Kranz, <laughs> sexy Franz, <laughs> Franz Kranz. So, <laughs> Jenny, is there anything you'd like to uh, share or place that you know, people can find you on Twitter or anything like that before we wrap up today? Um, no. <laughs> That's fine. I use you don't have I to use be... my Twitter just to like say fuck words on the internet. Like I don't, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Like uh, <laughs> no. no problem. Well, we uh we discussed off mic that you might have future projects that perhaps we can share um at a later date. So definitely keep keep us in the loop. Yeah, so that's it for me. Okay, well, uh, we'd like to thank you all for listening to episode 25 today. And uh, please come on back on Wednesday to see what happens when a woman with a chemically treated libido is dared to make out with a wall-mounted wolf head. Sweet. All right, we'll see you all (laughs) back at the cabin. (laughs) 